Actually, to be fair, I, I think the pub subs really got them all amped up. And there's a lot of chatter about it. And then just to push them over the edge, because I knew I could, I said, don't even get me started on Chick-fil-A. And then I was out. Oh. So, oh. Yeah, so I really, oh. I really now we need to discuss. Down. Now we need to discuss. Okay, so is it a specific pub sub, or is it all of them that irritates you? It's, it's the bread. The, the foundation of a good sub. Bread, this the pub sub bread doesn't have it. Now the Cuban bread that they have at some eateries are decent. See, this is, the, this is rational, like, okay, I have actual reasons. This is not just being a contrarian. That's, that's, this is a different story entirely. Absolutely. Pub sub bread, it's a little hard. It's a little overbaked. A little too much okay. bread. So I, I, can, I can understand that. I think, that they get, I think they give you more than enough filling, though, to make up for that. And it's a much bigger sub than you really get at most places for the price that they have. But I can understand where you're coming from there. Definitely. And I'm not saying it's a bad sub. It's just, it's just overrated. So then what sandwich chain, or it could be a standalone sandwich shop, would you kind of put in your top tier? You know, I'm not really a sandwich guy, so maybe that maybe that's part of it too. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not wait, 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 okay. So you're not a sandwich guy. So okay, then what? Then what do you do? What What is your like go to? Barbecue all day. Ooh, good choice. Okay. Yeah, I'm a barbecue guy. Yeah. Do you think cornbread should have corn in it or be cornless? I'm a I'm a chunky cornbread, but with jalapeno, not the uh, not the corn. Okay, so no corn, but jalapenos. All yes. right. So you like it spicy. That's right. <laughs> what is happening? Haley is happening. This is the culinary edition. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about wings later. So it only makes sense. <laughs> oh, I love wings. Who ate wings for the Super Bowl? I had an omelet. I had ribs. My parents had like a Reuben party from Cat's Deli or something in New York. That's a thing. And so they had like some leftover and we ate it and it was delicious. So I guess they do eat sandwiches full circle. Here we go. I love cat's <laughs> deli Reuben sandwiches. They're delicious. Okay. So that's your top tier. Sure. All right. Real deli. I'm a de if I get a sandwich, it's from a deli. Welcome everybody to the Bullseye Podcast. We are joined today by Phil. Hello. Carl. It's a roommate cast. And our special guest, James Callahan. Hello. Hey, James. Hey, James. Hi. For those of Bulls Nation who don't know you, James, they should know that you are a former chairman of the Sports Club Council. You worked for student government in the Cabinet for Student Life, and you are a current co-chair for USF's Rugby Alumni Society. We're very happy to have you on this show this week. Thank you, and thank you for having me on the show today. Yeah, no problem, my dude. So this episode is going to be a good rundown of something we really haven't talked a lot about, which is USF's treatment towards alumni and what you're getting from these alumni societies and everything that goes into it. All right, Phil, hit me with USF versus UCF. What did what exactly did we do to these people? Unspeakable things. That school made its annual trip to the Yingling Center, got met with our biggest crowd of the year of 6,200. The, the Knights came in, and we blew the freaking doors off of them, 64-48. My favorite part of the game was that 
a bunch of students from that side of the road, and by a bunch, I mean maybe about 10, brought a banner saying, UCF, Tampa's hometown team. And then the team immediately goes on a 22-2 to run and goes up by 20 points. The best way to garner hatred for yourselves as a fan base is to go into another team's home and just be the biggest meme on the planet. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a UCF fan, and I know there are a bunch of you, I've seen the numbers from Orlando, there's a bunch of you. You guys are the biggest jokers. UCF unveiling the Tampa's hometown team, that was actually a very good piece of banter from UCF for once, because it's actually something creative. It was new. They came up with something that hadn't been said before. I saw the picture, I was like, that's awful, but I respect it because at the same time, they came up with something else that we hadn't actually said yet, and both sides know that it's really not true, that Tampa is at least, if anyone's the hometown team in Tampa, it's the Gators. Well, so far we're 1-0, so I hope they bring it every, every time they play in Tampa, to be honest with you. So keep it, keep it coming. Yeah, exactly. The funnier part about that whole thing is, though, is that immediately they started holding up national championship banners. They basically crossed over USF with a good bit of banter and then airballed the open three. Like, you had a chance to actually double down with another bit of good banter and you fall back on national champions, which the entire nation is still laughing at you for. It's so funny. They had, they really had a good chance to do something and then completely blew it. They made themselves a great opening and then calmly and confidently pointed a gun directly at their foot and shot it directly off. What's the joke now? All I'm hearing right now is Billy Madison. You blew it! <laughs> Seriously, though. Like, that was it. Like, oh, you had a great chance to do something and then you still blew it. Yeah, no, shout out to Urinating Tree for those memes. Um, Basically. <laughs> they were both the dog and the tree at the same time. It was incredible. All right. By the way, Urinating Tree, if you are listening to this show, which you're not, make a small documentary about the, the absolute absurdity that is Central Florida Golden oh, Knights. Oh, please, please, are, please. They deserve their own episode only because everyone in the nation wants to laugh at these fools. But going back to the game, Phil, I need to know the turnovers versus the free throws. Turnovers, we gave up 14 for 16, so decent by our standards. I am claiming victory, though, in the turnovers versus free throws with Tyler, because we shot 24 out of 30 for 80%, but we hit our free throws when they mattered. Every time that school in Orlando was starting to you know, make a little bit of a run and we went to the free throw line, we took advantage. We won that game, in my opinion, because we hit our free throws when we had to. Well, yeah, because if you look at the field goal percentage, we had a little bit over 1%, or maybe a little less than 1% of a different field goal percentage. Where it was different was we hit on 27% of our three-pointers. They hit exactly 2 out of 22 for 9.1%. Ooh, These dudes wow. can't shoot, and it shows. Uh, they hit 62.5% uh, for their free throws, right? USF finally put it all together and played a complete game. And they hit 80% of their free throws. Now, something I did want to mention was the entire team. If you look at just the base numbers, right? Rebounds, assists, and points for the entire game. 
nothing really stands out, right? There's nothing here that screams great game, right? Where we won was the intangibles and just shutting UCF down. The defense was incredible. Like, David Collins played 34 minutes for four rebounds, four assists, and four points. Not a heavy stat line. But I would say he was a great contributor in this game. He had Well, because he had a hand in almost anything that happened on the floor that whole night. Exactly. Q had a good game, a really, really good game. Seven rebounds, four assists, 14 points in, in 32 minutes. Again, not a show-stopping performance stat-wise, but everything else as a leader on the court clicked. The key to this game was hitting the free throws, and we did it. What I really want to point out to, though, and another big reason I think we won the game, first of all, we kept Colin Smith C's uh, main score to 12 points. Also, I want to throw in there that C had two flagrant fouls, so we were clearly getting in their head. Lol. That, that was a turnaround. It was 10 minutes, in, 10 minutes into the game, and it was like 10-10, and then we hit the three ball. There was a flagrant foul. We sunk the free throws. We got it again, and we scored like... 18 points in two minutes. It was like 10-10, and then it was 28-10 within two or three minutes and the midway through the first, and then we never looked back. That little run got the crowd going early because we were down, I think we were down, what, about 8-3, 8-4, and it kind of had the feeling of the first game in Orlando where we would keep it close but never really be able to have much of a lead. All of a sudden, we go on a big run. The crowd's loud. Even on the radio, you could hear it. And it just got louder and louder, and they didn't stop for the rest of the game. The other big point of this game, looking at the stat line, Justin Brown, 14 points off the bench. Zach Dawson, 12 points off the bench. They tied or had more points than UCF's leading scorer. And we got that from our bench. So that's where this game was won, because looking at, looking at C's bench, 6 points, 5 points, 4 points, 2, 1. Looking at our bench, 14, 12, 4, and 4. And building off of that, not one player on UCF's squad played over 30 minutes. Whereas on, on USF, we tend to play the same few guys for most of the game. I sense some panic in these numbers where their coach was putting together trying to figure anything out, right? Well, they don't have the depth that they had last year. But they played more people than we did. And we didn't even have Michael Durr. Michael Durr was held up for an injury he picked up against Tulane. Mm-hmm. It's just it just comes down to execution and USF executed. We played our game from start to finish. So on the thought of Michael Durr, he has not been as effective this year as I thought he was going to be. If anything, the big guy inside that has actually really been quite good for USF has been Marichavich, who Juan was lambasting early in the season. He's turning into a force down low. Uh, it's he had a big game. He, he really, really he, did. He had some really solid minutes early. He picked up that flagrant foul. I mean, he was doing all the dirty work down low. Gets a guy who hits him in the head with the, his elbow. Suddenly, you know, JB hit a three on that play. Suddenly, we get two shots and the ball. And I think that turned out to be either a six or a seven-point play. And that changed the game. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's because Maritavich is doing work on the inside. And I don't think anyone really expected this to happen. He's really coming to his own this year. He's still got to find a little bit more consistency, but he's been a very pleasant surprise this year. He's doing very, very well. And it's 
whenever he comes onto the floor, it's like, okay, I, I feel a little bit better about where the team's going to be going for the next couple minutes while he's out there on the floor. Frankly, it's the same as sort of on the women's basketball side with Beatrice Jordeau. She needs to find a little bit more consistency, but when she's out on the floor, I feel a little bit more confident about USF's ability on the inside, which not everyone does. But there is something about those two players that opposing teams just can't quite wrap their head around because everyone knows they're not quite as talented as they could be. They're not the biggest world eaters in the world, but at the same time, there's some sort of intimidation factor that teams aren't as willing to drive at them to drive on the inside unless they have their own fellow big person who can, you know, do just as much dirty work. And that's something I think U.S. has lacked for quite a while. It's, it's, it's not as good as it could be, not remotely, but it's at least another weapon that we have. We have that little bit of intimidation on the inside that for whatever reason, teams just can't quite get over. And it's, it's been working really, really well for the team so far. Hopefully, Marajevic can really can continue evolving throughout the rest of the season, turn to something huge. I, I do want to point out, though, we have two seniors on this team, Radu and Marichevich. They both put in some of their best games. How much of that do you want to bet is, like, they knew that was their last chance against that school in Orlando. I had that feeling at least, you know, early in the game where, uh, where Q steals it and gets the dunk to tie the game at 10. That's where I kind of got the feeling where it's like, okay, like Q's on a mission. He doesn't want to go down in history as, you know, never beating that school in Orlando. Luckily for him, he actually managed to do that. He, he was awesome. I mean, six steals, 14 points, seven rebounds. These are guys who we're going we're gonna to look back on and say they should have done more, but what they did was a really good first step for USF basketball. That's very accurate. The class needed to take that first step. I mean, do you remember Willie Taggart's first class that came in here with no reason to come here? I kind of get that same feeling where, there had to be uh, the class before, you know, the class with Mac, with, uh, with Q and all them. Somebody had to put, kind of lay down that groundwork. And now that we have that groundwork, we've said on the show the last couple of weeks, we got some pretty big reinforcements coming in next year. Do I wish we were better than 10 and 12? Yes. But at the same time, you know, Yetna's out for the year. Kerr transferred. He's going to New Mexico State. Durr's missed some time. I think a few other people missed some time, but... That has also led to, you know, uh, Aki uh, Madud, I think is how you say his name, who had a big game in Tulane. Did you guys see the video of him just celebrating with the student section? Like, he was, he was lit. That's something we haven't seen in quite a while, is that the basketball players really interacting with the student section. That's something that was really nice to see. You could see what this win meant to him. We're starting to pick up some big recruits, too. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's only looking up. You know, Yetna's going to be back next year, and... Some of these recruits, hopefully they'll get some playing time early. I think a lot of the guys are buying into Gregory's system, and I think, I think he's going to do good stuff for us. Absolutely. I mean, the master of rebuilding basketball programs is working his magic again. USF is, in fact, on the rise in basketball. It's just, you know, this, this year has been one gut punch after another, and it, yeah, that tends to happen when you're a USF fan. It's just something we have to accept sometimes. But right now, the future looks good for USF. Barring any more, you know, complete disasters uh knock on wood right now yeah exactly like bar- barring any more of uh captain bucky's cursed gold you know we'll be all right well the best part is i mean carl your senior year you would and if i would have told you hey we'd be 10 and 12 in the middle of in the middle of uh, conference play how many times did we not get to 10 wins all season correct and we're disappointed by the season 
that's what that CBI title did where the expectations have changed a little bit, and it's only going in the right direction. Yes, we're losing Redu, but we're bringing in a four-star shooting guard. We're bringing in two trees at, what, 6'5 or 6'7", who are going to be able to patrol the middle with Durr and Yetna. I'm excited. Yeah, and in the... And in the age of one-and-done basketball, a freshman can make all the difference in the world if they're good enough. And a four-star for this team could damn well be good enough to really make a huge difference in the team. I know I was telling you earlier in the day, it's like, you know, I'd be willing to trade, um, you know, the rest of the season if we could just beat that school in Orlando. I would also like to be able to, you know, beat Utah while kicking them out the door. Okay, but you already you already spent your uh, entire season just to beat C dot card, and the devil will probably be uh, cashing that in in the most painful way possible for us for the rest of the year. So if we lose the rest of the games, everyone blame Phil. You guys do that anyway. Well, yeah, but now the rest of USF will do it. All right, title is blame Phil. Uh, <laughs> you said USF is on the rise, and that's true for the men. The women are on a downward swing after years and years of success. And Cincinnati beat us by five on Super Bowl Sunday. That's a team we've already beaten this year. And this is a team we needed to beat before the toughest stretch of games we have coming up. I wanted it to start with Temple. It's going to start with Cincinnati. I could see four losses in a row here to teams that are significantly stronger than us right now that are ahead of us in the standings. I hope not. But after losing to Cincinnati, which I said last week was a must-win game, Tulane's number two in the conference, Temple's number four, Cincinnati's number three now after beating us. If we had beaten Cincinnati, we'd be number three. So now we have to claw our way back into this top three. But I can definitely see us losing the Temple, Tulane, and Connecticut in a row. And then we have to go to Orlando. And you know they're going to want revenge after the men's game. I think for the women's team, we just simply need to accept this is not the year. This is, this is not going to end up being a good year. This is, this is a year that we're going to have to say, all right, the young team gained a lot of experience, and they'll be back next year. They'll be a lot better. Uh, it, I mean, partially, it's just been one injury after another. Uh, losing Alvarez was a, a solid body blow. She, she's actually out. Uh, that injury that injury was a lot worse than we than we thought it might be originally. Uh, Pinzan came back. She done for the year. Um, I don't know for sure, but I've heard that uh, it is a specific knee problem. Possibly, I don't know. I I haven't. I really haven't been at the games to see if see if she's wearing the uh, telltale brace for that. But um, from from what I know, at least from like rumors and whispers here and there. It uh, doesn't sound good. I also she's, know Pahadich has been spending a lot of time on the bench, too, so I don't know if she's been hurt or if she's just fallen out of favor. I think she's just fallen out of favor. She's, not, she's definitely not injured. She just hasn't been playing well, and, there, and therefore Jose is like, well, you know, we're going to go with the hot hands here, and, you know, and uh, just hasn't had it. So, I mean, may, maybe there's something else going on there. Who knows? Um, but... Enna for the mo- Enna for the most part looks like she's simply fallen out of favor. This, this is definitely just a season. Just throw throw it in the trash can. It's it's a you know this is not a Jose team. 
It's not well, necessarily throw it in the trash. Hang on, hang on. Because there's a lot of things to take away from this season. Well, I mean, the, what, 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 let me kind of finish what I'm thinking with that. I mean, just throw – what I mean by throw it in the trash can is just, you know, this is not a Jose team. This is a very, very young team that he's brought in a lot of good players, but the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. So Tyler was said at the beginning of the year, we were always going to have some growing pains. We kind of had that accelerated expectations when we beat Texas. But nothing you can do about the injury bug, playing a lot of players who are younger. You'll gain a lot of experience from this, but what I mean by throw it in the trash cans, like, does this change my expectations of this program in the long run? No. No, it does not, because I trust Jose, and I think we're going to get back to that point where we're competing to be one of the top 16 teams to host, but it's going to be, hopefully, I want to say hopefully next year, because you, you, we've seen what Jose can do with the recruiting class, but this year it's just, it's just not meant to be this year. It's frustrating, but you know the the, the really annoying thing about women's basketball this year is that we're going to end up with the overall result that we thought we were going to get, but it didn't happen how we thought it was going to go. Like I fully expected, a, like we ended up beating the teams that we shouldn't have beaten in early in the season, then losing the teams we shouldn't have lost to early in the season. That's a great and way it's to put like, it. And it's just like, hang on, <laughs> we're we're uh, we're we're on a we're on a weird pendulum that's going exactly opposite how we thought it was going to go. Yeah. I mean, what's crazy about the Cincinnati game is we outshot them. We out, you know, rebounded them. We, everything looked good, except we had 30 turnovers and we gave away 10 more steals. So they had 71, they had 71 field goal attempts, 71 to our 46. And we still almost won that game. (laughs) Like, yeah. Insane. what do you want? We outplayed them. It's just we kept making errors, and, and these are these are correctable errors. That's the biggest thing. These are correctable errors that we're making right now, but it's not correctable within the season. Agreed. And, and I feel like both the men and women they've played competitive enough in the right games that come tournament time, like there's still an outside chance that they correct some of these really small things and somehow figure out how to go far in the ACC turn AAC tournament and and do some things so the know, women's soccer effect yeah I mean you might get that crazy uh, golden ticket and get you in um, the the only way the only way that I think they can do it is if um, they have to beat UCF here uh, if they lose the Temple Tulane and Yukon right who are top of the table you have a shot if you win the rest of your games minus the second UConn game, if you can beat UCF, Memphis, East Carolina, SMU, which are bottom of the bottom of the uh, standings, you have an outside shot. If some of the top teams fall and you go undefeated, except for the UConn, to to get a higher seed in the tournament, and hopefully you play another uh, lower seed team. Um, but that's the only way I can see it happening. And the women's basketball team is going to need to claw their way back into uh, one of the uh, either two or three if they really want to make any noise in the tournament because otherwise they run into UConn before the final and you know that's a death sentence. And men's basketball over. team, however, I don't think it's it's as important because of the fact that you know there's not one specific dominant team uh, like there is in women's basketball. So the men, the men, I'm less concerned with who they end up playing. Uh, obviously, and but the women, 
women got to get to one of those top two spots so that they don't run into UConn early. Did you guys see that uh, article Joey Knight wrote, I think last week, saying that, you know, on the men's side of things, the, uh, an at-large bid in the NIT is probably out of play at this point. But the AAC conference has been so weird and wide open that we have a lot of correctable errors. If we can correct them, you know, if we can avoid that little five-minute stretch we have at the beginning of both halves before we catch fire, and we just play well for four or five days in March, winning this tournament, he was writing, you know, is not inconceivable. I mean, there have been some weird upsets. Didn't Tulane beat Memphis by like 20 points or something like that? Or was it Tulsa? I mean, the only thing you really need to look at is uh, that magical NC State run that won them the title. It's like they had, they had a vague outside shot of winning the ACC that year and somehow managed to do it because they had correctable errors. And, I mean, obviously they had an absolute maverick at a coach at the time, but, you know, that's still, it's still, they, they came together, they had the correctable errors, they hung around all year, they, they never, like, really got absolutely decimated and USF has been in, they've been in the games all year. They had never got, they've never been truly blown out of a game. They've and led now, most of them. They've led a yeah. lot of games with a lot of really good teams. And it's exactly. just, if they can just figure out how to make a basket over a five minute stretch, right. Just to get out of that rut and just get that momentum changed. I mean, they'll be fine. The problems is they go five minutes without making a basket. And that's, that's what's been killing them. We can so get our field is, goal, yeah. If we can get our field goal percentage up five ten percent, we're winning games. We'll be a, we'll be a dangerous <laughs> team in the tournament. I mean, right now, yeah, exactly. right now we're sitting seventh place in the American, which high high Central Florida down there in twelfth place. Um, but you know, find a way to find a way to find a way to be what the five to the seven seed where you get a decent draw in the AAC tournament. There's going to be some upsets. There's going to be some top teams that fall before you face them. Or, you know, you would have the chance to knock them out. Winning the AAC tournament is not the most inconceivable thing. And wouldn't that be something if we got hot for four days in March and we got to play in the NCAA tournament? There's something special about UCF and the number 12. (laughs) And being in last place all at the same time. A nice little three-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Uh, Love it. History repeats yeah, you, itself. You, you, you hate to see it. You just hate to see it. You fucking maybe, love to see it. Maybe you hate to see it. I'm enjoying <laughs> it thoroughly. Um, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's move on a little bit here. Um, let's cut out some... Let's do uh, more uh, the meat and potato stuff before we are uh, jumping into our big conversation here. Jumping quickly into the USF recruiting uh, shenanigans before signing day, which is tomorrow. Um, any, any, anything important Bulls Nation should know? Anything that's going on uh, on the wire? Things that could happen, should happen, won't happen? Um, well, we talked about most of the recruits uh, last week. We did. Uh, we did get a transfer. Uh, UST or uh, UTSA kicker uh, uh, Jared Sackett is uh, announcing that he's transferring. Uh, so he he transferred from UTSA to Arkansas, sat out a year, 
and is now transferring to, uh, to Tampa. He is a two-time Lou Groza Award semifinalist, so we might be getting a, a solid kicker, which is what we need. How the and, hell did he keep – why does he keep transferring? How does he keep falling out of favor at these schools? Well, um, I, I think he was traveling. I'm trying to find the article. I think he tra- – uh, something with the coaching staff. Because he's being reunited with the um, – our special teams uh, coordinator is, be, is um, what's the special teams quality control coach for Arkansas last year. So – and he also said he, uh, he also knows the uh, our strength and conditioning coach who was also at Arkansas last year. So uh, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, we now have a two-time – Grows a semifinalist. I'll uh, take it. <laughs> I'll take uh, it every time. Yes, we haven't yes, had please. we haven't had a Nadelman type kicker for a while, and we need a Nadelman type kicker. Um, and having a two time grows a semifinalist. Maybe U.S. Maybe uh, being able to score those points because we know scoring is difficult at USF. Maybe being able to hit those long field goals puts this kid over the hump, and that's why he came to USF. Um, or part of the reason is he knows he'll be able to get on the field and score some points here. I lived through the Alvarado years of USF, so anyone who can score more than 25% of the time is an excellent <laughs> kicker. <laughs> <I'll take it. laughs> Sorry. Got Sorry, Delbert. Sorry. Love it. But, I mean, we beat Cincinnati last year if our kicker can yeah. hit a field goal. Yeah. Or, uh, no yeah. Um, something... There's there's one other story on the on the transfer wire that I wanted to hit on, uh, but it's not super fortunate. Chase Bryce was is a Clemson quarterback who was tied to USF, obviously because of Jeff Scott. Um, he was in the transfer portal for a while. Uh, he decided to go to Duke, which honestly makes sense. They're on an uptick. They're in a big conference. Um, and they just produced uh, Daniel Jones at quarterback, who was a top ten pick. So you're gonna you're going to see more quarterbacks, I think, transferring to these. I don't want to say smaller programs, but it's, it's Duke, their basketball school. Um, but you're also. I mean, then again, the Eagles' quarter, the one of the Eagles' backup quarterbacks is a Northwestern graduate from. Last well, that's why year, they didn't make so the playoffs. Um, but yeah, so I really, really want to chase Bottom Bryce life. on on the Bulls, but but this is a huge opportunity for him. I'm proud that he, because uh, he seemed like a good guy. Um, I'm bummed that he's not a Bull, but hopefully he succeeds where uh, and continues the legacy of Danny Dimes at Duke. Can, can we do a shout out for like the biggest? Thing to happen tomorrow on National Signing Day? Go for it. The, the fact that we're live streaming something, like holy crap! Like, can, can like, can I get more of like the Willie Taggart live from the War Room? Like, I am been wanting it for years, and finally, Athletics is like, you know what? Maybe we should engage our fans some more. And so, kudos to whoever is doing this, whoever came up with it. Awesome! I will definitely be on that live stream tomorrow at eleven. I will say, I, I can at least understand where Strong came from with that, because uh, Taggart's, Taggart's philosophy was, you know, we're celebrating these recruits. But Strong's mindset was, yes, we're, ha- we're thrilled to have you, 
but at the same time, you haven't accomplished anything on the field yet here. Which I can, you know, I can understand that mindset, but from a, you know, because I, I work in ticketing, uh, athletic ticketing, I, I get it. You want to engage your fans, and what a, what a way to do that. And they're really taking advantage of the fact that when's the last time we've had this level of optimism coming off a 4-8 and eight season? Uh, anyway, moving on, we did get two more commits for uh, tomorrow. Uh, an offensive lineman and a wide receiver, which are both positions of really big need for us. Uh, we got a, a um, stole another prospect out of Orlando, Edgewater, at uh, offensive line, David uh, Anderton. Uh, he is 6'4", 315 pounds, played center, a three-star ranked by uh, 24-7. Had some offers from Pitt, FAU, FIU, UAB, and Middle Tennessee. So we're getting a uh, another big lineman, which we desperately needed. We're also getting uh, a Bradenton Lakewood Ranch wide receiver, uh, Michael Cousy, uh, I think is how you say his name. Uh, six uh, six four receiver, 171 pounds. So that's a big boy. So so we can we talk about. Yeah, Mike. Let's talk about Michael Scott. This is now an office podcast. Jeff Scott, sorry. Um, can we talk about? I'm sorry. I was I was gonna be like, you know what? Don't say it. Don't say it. And then I went to the wrong thing because I was trying to think the opposite. But can we talk about Jeff Scott and the fact that since he's come on, our recruits went from like Marty St. Louis size to Victor Hedman size. I mean, they. <laughs> like, no offense to Marty and how awesome he was for hockey, but in college football, you need guys what a great over metaphor. six foot tall and over two and a half bills. And since he came on and really started recruiting, so after the national championship game was done, it's been one big guy after another. And I mean, that's been what's plaguing us. And, you know, Charlie Strong was complaining about we don't have size, we don't have size. And it's like, well, you weren't recruiting size. Jeff Scott comes in, recruit size, and we'll figure out talent and we'll train these guys up. But you can't, can't train and you can't teach six four. <laughs> but these are these are big guys that can move. Like the the uh, one we were talking about last week. Who, uh, if you look at his highlight video, you're like that guy's six four, three hundred pounds. Like he's booking. I'm just excited because for a running joke on the show, ever since the Brooks Larkin episode, um, is that we don't have these corn-raised, corn-fed athletes. We have pub-sub-raised athletes here in Florida who are built for speed and not for strength. Now, obviously, it's it's turning a little bit. Um, where it's great to have these speed guys, but do we need them at every position? What if we put some really, really big guys on the field? Novel thought, I think, uh, for a football team. Interesting fun fact. Brooks and I both went to the same high school, Bradenton Manatee. So there you go. You have multiple Bradenton Manatee. Thank, thank you for giving us half of our guest Bradenton Manatee. <laughs> Shout out to Bradenton Manatee. <laughs> <laughs> who, will, who will be the... Well, uh, well, here's what here's what it comes down to is that's that's now our recruiting pipeline. Who's the who's the next uh, Bradenton Manatee who's going to sign to the Bullseye Podcast? I'm I'm excited. Look, I'm excited for tomorrow. Uh, from everything I read, you know, 
our initial ranking with this class is not going to be great, but considering what it was two months ago and considering we had a coaching change, this was about as good as it was going to get. And you can tell Jeff's got, got some players. He ex he's excited about and things can change things right away. So I I'm excited. Uh, and also Jeff's got wearing a USF hat at the Super Bowl. Just USF clothes in general. <laughs> Bit of a power move. I enjoyed it. Oh, so he'll have a, he'll have the chance to do that again next year because the Super Bowl's in Tampa Bay. Uh, that was announced. Um, maybe we should go to that and do a podcast from the we'll from Ray J. <laughs> Just kidding. I can't afford it. <laughs> I'm going to enough stadium tours for music as it is this year. I can't afford the Super Bowl. Oh, which on the thought, apparently Guns N' Roses tickets are only going to be like sixty bucks. That's a lot of money for a band who's mostly dead or not part of the band anymore. Okay, but Slash. He's still good. Yeah, all right. Anyway. Not $60 good. Um, so that's, that's basically the recruiting pipeline, uh, the recruiting update for this week. Um, we'll know more tomorrow, uh, which is Wednesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, about who actually signed with the Bulls and who was lying about it the whole time. Um, <laughs> but let's do a quick, quick dive into the Snake Pit. Yes, so this week is the first official week of the XFL um, live on TV playing football games. And I am so ready <laughs> after all this buildup. Um, I was a big AAF guy. I was rooting for the Apollos, which actually hurt me because um, uh, rooting for anything in Orlando is uh, nigh impossible for me. Um, but I was rooting for Darius Johnson, who was over there, and some of the guys there. I'm excited for these Vipers. Now, well, they announced Q as the number three quarterback, though, on their official depth chart. He's also the most versatile person on the entire team, so he'll be on the field. I don't think the depth chart means oh, anything. No doubt. Um, uh, running back. He'll be all over the place. Well, wasn't he recruited That's... as a safety? Like, wasn't he being recruited as a... Was it running back? Well, no, Will, Will, Mus Will Muschamp, at, uh, when he was at South Carolina, wanted him to play defensive back, and that's why when we beat him in the Birmingham Bowl, he kind of had that little look like, yeah, you could have had me as a quarterback. Um, oh, so Vipers news? Uh, Antonio Callaway is out indefinitely. <laughs> and there goes the best receiver in the in the XFL. Yeah, unfortunate. Um, I was going to read a list of uh, why you should care about all these players from because most of them are from Florida. Uh, so here's here's that list. It's from ABCActionNews.com. Aaron Murray, our starting quarterback. We have to get over the fact that Q's not starting. Uh, immediately. Aaron Murray has to shred his stuff because he, he's the one that was assigned to the team. Uh, <clears throat> hey, you know what? You know what? Born and raised in Tampa. Uh, he went to Jesuit High School, then transferred to Plant. Won a state championship. Went to Georgia. Uh, drafted by the Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl this year. Um, shout out to uh, uh, shout out to uh... Andy Reid. Oh, cut this up. Yeah, shout out to uh, Austin Ryder, who uh, won the ball, uh, Super Bowl as their center. So we have another bowl who is a Super Bowl champion. Yes. And not only that, starting center. He played the whole damn game. 
Yes, and the Knights still have Taco Fall. You can't start on the G League team. So then Aaron Murray played for uh, the AAF and sucked, and now he's the uh, number one quarterback for the Vipers. Then everybody knows Q. We don't have to go more into Q. Um, we love Q. We're excited for him to get a real shot at football. Uh, after his graduation, he hasn't really had a true shot at being a quarterback anywhere. Um, so that's great. Andrew Franks was a former Dolphin and uh, Orlando Apollo. He's our kicker. Antonio Callaway, who's unfortunately hurt, um, who got hurt during a scrimmage and practice. Uh, he was a Brown and he went to UF. Uh, Chase Litton is from Winter Park. He played for the Jaguars. Uh, Jake Shum was a Buccaneer. He was a Buccaneer three times. <laughs> Woo! Um, from Dante Dye uh, was a Buccaneer and Orlando Apollo. Stacy Coley and, uh, went to UM. The U. Uh, Reese Horn, Miami Dolphins, Tavares McFadden, Fort Lauderdale. There's so many, and I'm going to skip Brunel Hall. Uh, so many good players here from Florida. Most of them are. Um, <clears throat> so if you're a Florida fan in general, if you like if you like Florida sports, this is your team. You can't root for Dallas because everybody hates Dallas. No matter you, no matter what. Came for New York. I'm actually planning on going to a. Uh, I'm actually planning on going to a Dallas game because that's only a couple hours south of me. So I'm very curious to see what that le- the league's going to look like. Oh yeah, the Dallas Renegades. Yeah, they're only a couple hours from. Uh, oh, you're Stillwater. true. Yeah, go to. I heard they're about to lose their coach to Florida State. Is that still Let true? Me that up. Stoops. It, it was a joke. Oh, I was. Uh, I have not heard about this. This is, this is a Vipers oh. podcast. We don't give a shit about Dallas. Fans <laughs> got jokes. Uh, we we barely know what's happening on the, the God, Vipers. Was <laughs> the Bob Stoops to Florida State was like the big thing forever. <laughs> oh, you're right. No, no you're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> they should. They should. Y- you you're right though. Uh, so the Vipers are going to be opening up uh, in New York at. I think they're playing at MetLife. Uh, yes. Sunday, February 9th, two p.m. on Fox. So let, let let's get this going. Yeah, who doesn't love a two o'clock game? They're on the road the first two weeks, right? They're on, they're on the road the first two weeks, and then they uh, are in in New York. Then they go to Seattle to play uh, other bull uh, BJ Daniels before hosting the Houston Roughnecks uh, to open uh, the XFL in Tampa. So we got a little we got a little while before um, before they come to Tampa. So we get to see what they're actually like. Um, they're going to play the Roughnecks and then the Defenders in a two game home stint. Um, I can't tell you whether or not this is a difficult schedule. I can't tell you if it's an easy schedule. We know nothing about what this league is, and neither does anybody else. Nobody has any idea what this is going to be. And that's, I think, part of the excitement about it is this is either going to be really, really, really good, 
or it's going to be absolutely terrible. Either way, everyone loves a train wreck. So this is, this is going to be great. So I'm going to leap in here quickly. I saw a thing earlier today um, about, the, about the XFL. This was from Blood uh, Culture Wrestling about the fact that Vince is pretty much prepared to lose over the next three years almost $400 million. That's what they're, they're I, I believe the number that they're expecting to lose in the first three years is $375 million uh, on the XFL. It, and I mean, and the other thing I need, need to think about is I've, I've heard that Vince has over half a billion, uh, $500 million put away so that they can make the XFL self-sustaining within, you know, five years or so. So it's hard to say if it is going to be a train wreck or not. I feel like it's going to at least be better football than it was the first time around. It's, I think it actually might even be uh, better football no, than I mean, the AAF no, I mean, was. No, um, I mean, it can't be worse than no, the original it, XFL. Uh, it, can, it can be worse. It, it can be way can worse. Be worse. The AAF was fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Well, that's very true. But that uh, was built the, to be a train wreck. Yeah, that was kind of built to be a train wreck. Whereas this is, they actually want actual football here. And I think that they're going about it the right way for the most part. 100%. Um, I think the pace of the game, I think the pace of the game will really set it apart. I mean, wh- why do fans not go to football games now? Like, I mean, I take my family to the USF games and it seems like there's like an hour of game time that's just dead and nothing happening. So if nothing else, the XFLs, I mean, the rules and everything around it is, it's going to be snap after snap and even overtime. And all, I mean, you guys have talked about all this in the previous podcast, but the game's going to move. And I think that makes it more exciting and appealing just right out of the gate. Most definitely. And I think that's the biggest thing is that um, I, think, I think that's going to be the, big, the biggest shift for most players is that it is going to be a much more up-tempo game. Once they get used to the fact that they're basically playing hurry-up style offense all the time, I think it'll, it'll end up being a lot better. And frankly, if this does become a self-sustaining league where they really do become you know, actually a very good football league, I wouldn't be overly shocked if you start seeing some of the really, really fast teams, a lot of, a lot of Oregon players start to drift over to the uh, XFL before going to the NFL like automatically so they can, you know, all right, here's professional level football at the speed that I'm used to versus, you know, going over to the NFL and huddling every play. Just an idea. Right. I wanted to, I want to go back and tell you for a second, Carl, because you, you did quote what culture wrestling, uh, and I'm a big wrestling fan, as everybody knows. Um, the WWE lost a billion dollars in one day last week. So, so I'm not sure how up for it Vince is going to be to lose another billion dollars. He might be over a few years. The fact but... that he had... Well, he, he has this stacked away specifically for the XFL. He's been preparing this for this for years. He's been, he's been liquidizing so much stuff so he has the funds available to him that he can eat these losses. He's been preparing for this. I fully expect he's going to stay the course, actually, this time. Because he's, he's actually ready to tank the massive losses going to be coming in. I think, he, I think he actually, you know, learned from his mistakes, shockingly enough. And that this time it's like, all right, if, if uh, the networks aren't willing to put forward the money, I personally will put forward the money 
to keep this going for the next couple of years, regardless of what's going on. I understand that you guys don't really want to put any more money into it, but I believe in this. I'm going to make this work. It's on me. You guys have no risk. I think that's the, I think that's the key thing that's going to uh, be different this time around. And if he, if he can get it going for multiple years, if he actually can establish some sort of consistency, I think the league will succeed. I think that's the biggest thing. Once it gets through those first couple seasons and it really starts becoming its own thing and people recognize, all right, this isn't going to be going away. Then I think it'll really start to take off and the quality of play will start going upwards to the point where it will start actually competing as a legitimate, you know, this is all right. The X, the, the NFL is over time for XFL football with possibly as big a pomp and circumstance, you know, we'll see what happens. That's several years away, though. But I think that Vince is ready to tank all the massive losses that he's going to have to tank if the XFL is going to become successful. And that's why, that's why I thought it was worth mentioning the fact that, yeah, he, he is expecting to lose an absolutely mind-blowing amount of money. Uh, ten times what he lost uh, during the initial stay of the XFL, like roughly. And this, and this time it's like, all right, so now we're preparing for the long game. We've done it long time this time around. If this, if if we can get it going for a couple of years, it'll work. And I think I think he's actually going to be. Uh, I think he's spot on with this one. So again, we'll see what happens. It could tank within three weeks. The AAF certainly did, but you know, I right, and that's something that's something that I'll that I will agree with you there. I think everyone knows room for more football during a calendar year than just the NFL season and the college football season. Um, this is finally something that, or to, to better, to better phrase it every single year, Carl, Phil, when we were roomating, uh, when we were roommates, this time of year sucked because the only thing to look forward to for months was the NBA playoffs, March madness and uh, baseball in April. No one really cares about baseball anymore. I'm sorry to tell you, America. Clearly not <laughs> hockey fans. Holy cow. Okay. Hockey is not a replacement for football. It's a supplement. Hockey is also, um, I'll, hockey is also very depressing right now. Well, Phil, all right. So yeah. the, one thing, the one thing you have to remember is what? that Phil is a Buffalo Sabres fan, sport. not a Lightning fan. Oh. So he's always very sad. I, I don't yes. even. Like, We're it, on the upswing. It's the, the, the it's podcast. I will get ammo for the rest of us. That's what <laughs> I've been, it is. been depressed for a very long. Shutting time. this down, not because you. Guys- uh, okay, so uh, for those who were just confused about a random gap in content, Phil said he was going to shut it down, and then the call failed. Uh, so we're pretty sure that Phil has like supernatural Undertaker powers. Yeah, if you make fun of Phil and his terrible, terrible Buffalo-based teams, he will shut you down. I'm going to silence that because you're not even close, Phil. Well, yeah, look what you've done. Look what you've done and repent. Um, all right, so that's that's XFL talk. Basically, you didn't miss anything. Uh and we're just excited to uh, to get started with that and talk about the actual games uh, rather than where people are from, et cetera, et cetera, and get to know these players. Um, but let's get let's get into the into the 
the juicy, juicy, uh, meaty part of why we invited James onto the show. And that's to talk about the alumni experience at USF. We we still in the snake pit or did we exit? Oh, whew. but yet it feels like a snake pit. Oh, bad, bad joke. Um, yeah. Yeah. Happy to, happy to talk about um, kind of the ins and outs of the alumni association and all of that. So let's, let's, let's get this thing going. All right. Let's dive right into it. Um, James, you sent me a bunch of things to talk to you about uh, because we're not super familiar. We're, we're outsiders. I was, I was, I think I joined the, the alumni association or the student alumni. I joined something my freshman year and it was supposed to give me free t-shirts for life. And then I got two t-shirts and then I never showed up again. Well, first, first of all, they stopped giving out the shirts and then you became in charge and everything went to hell. That's not, that's the different thing. That was student balls club. The alumni association is a completely different thing. And I was not in charge. That's Haley's fault. <laughs> you know, one of the main things that people or alumni in general get confused about is they think that they uh, are part of the Bulls club. And so therefore they're part of the alumni association or they're part of the alumni association. Therefore they, they give, or they're part of the, the donation to athletics. Um, and, and they're definitely, completely separate things and so you know part of the organizational structure of the alumni association and bulls club and kind of the separation of all the different things has really led to a lot of confusion of a lot of our alumni and they don't they don't really know where they're at and and another another thing that i that at least from my time at usf there's not a whole lot of lead-in for students to get into either the alumni association or the bulls club Whereas like the Student Alumni Association and Student Bulls Club are supposed to lead directly into both of those. And kind of both organizations have kind of just kind of fallen apart on that level. Um, the most I've ever known about, you know, the Alumni Association or even like the Student Alumni was that we would get the beat shirts every week for a year or so. And then, you know, when I, uh, when I was at homecoming either a year or two ago, when I renewed my membership just mainly just because they had a, a nice tumbler and a homecoming shirt. It's pretty good. You get the beads at the games. It's, it's always a big... Oh, yeah, you get the... I, I, I do, <laughs> I, will, I will say, I do kind of enjoy, uh, for the homecoming football game, the class of stickers, because now I have, you know, my class of 16, and I, I, for some weird reason, I just, I like seeing where, uh, what year people are from, so, but that's just me, but that's, pretty much the most interaction I have with the alumni association. So, yeah. So who joins the alumni association? So I can help that. So upon graduation, you're gifted, I'm using air quotes here that no one can see you're gifted uh, a complimentary year uh, inside the alumni association. So everyone's an alumni association member um, year one post-graduation. And then after that, it's kind of up to them um, to be an alumni member. And, you know, the stats aren't great. You know, I don't necessarily want to get into them here on the podcast, but they're not great as far as number of members that, you know, come back year after year. And, you know, again, a lot of people join or, or no longer stay a part of it for various reasons. But, you know, again, it, it just the retention a, could still be better. It just paints a bigger picture on engagement. Right. And I think, you know, what's the biggest problem with USF? as a whole, right? It's not the university. It's not the college experience. It's not the classes you take. It's not preeminence, right? All these things are great, 
just it just seems like and again we you know I, we talked about this a little bit in some of the chats and stuff the type of students that usf has traditionally attracted aren't the traditional college students you know they're the commuter types or the working types or you know and again i know that's transitioning and has been for the past decade plus or minus but you know a lot it's of it's still accurate it's it's still accurate and and that engagement affects not only alumni association but it affects game day on saturdays right it affects basketball game attendance it's you know it's a part of the culture at usf and i know you know with with steve corral 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 you got to pronounce it the right way um and you know with mike kelly and all the stuff he's been doing you know they're we're they're going to be active and trying to kind of change that culture but you know it is it is still very much a part of the usf culture what i just really like um and we talked about this. This might be a little bit different than what you're going on about. But what I really like this week is that Jeff Scott's having an event for alumni football players. How many times during the Charlie Strong era did we say? Okay, how many times have we ever seen that straight up? Well, I don't, I don't think I've ever actually seen us do that before. But the point I'm trying to make is for the last year or so, we've been saying reach out to Q, reach out to Mac, reach out to Rodney, which shout out Rodney, uh, Back in the NFL with the Colts. With the Colts, mm-hmm. no less. Back with Marlon Mack. Gives Q an they option. They picked but, him uh, up, right? And then he retired. I, um, I I'm, not, I'm not sure if the Colts picked him up. I think he retired with the uh, Vikings. With the Vikings. but No, anyway. he was traded or something, and then he retired. Was he? Yeah, yeah, he was traded. And I remember that was a big thing. It was going to be him and Q were going to be together, and then he went to an acting career or something. Uh, something he like started that. a YouTube channel. Yeah. He became an influencer, which, cool, man. Make your money doing no hitting whatsoever. Like, that's awesome. Um, oh, yeah. Can, CTE. Can, mm-hmm. congrats, congrats to Rodney, though. Uh, Bolts the Nation's rooting for you. But, uh, you know, back to what I'm saying, it's that, that's awesome that, you know, a guy who's been here for not even two months realizes that, you know, the thing that's going to uh, unite both the older and the newer fans is going to be, you know, our alumni, whether it's JPP or George Selvey or Matt Grothy for, you know, the older generation fans, or, you know, the Quinn Flowers, Marlon Mack for, you know, our generation of fans. So that's awesome. Like getting that alumni football engagement back in the program. And then in his introductory press conference, when he said, if you want to come to practice, if you want to like be on the sideline for a game, this is still your program. And I kind of feel it's like, you know, I'm I'm very very proud to be a USF alumni. That my three years at USF were some of the best years I had. So I'm a very proud alumni, and I, you know, I don't have the financial resources, you know, to donate or anything. But you know, I I do kind of wish you know there would be that kind of um, you know effort for engagement that Jeff Scott's showing right now. Well, and that's part of it too, right? You know, a lot of the, um, you know, again, we can get into all the statistics and stuff. And, you know, I've chatted with a lot of folks, you know, our university is still super young, right? We don't have generational wealth um, graduating from USF. You know, if you look at major donors of USF, they're not even alumni, right? So let's talk, we can talk about that, obviously, for forever as well. So, you know, again, the university just in general hasn't been around enough to really attract 
you know, that, that overall engagement, you know, and it's, it's been nice that the little bit we've had, but, you know, again, a lot of the, um, you know, they don't have that older alumni base to really help and, and push, you know, where it should work. Right. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm a part of the, the USF rugby alumni society and, you know, kind of our goal is, you know, I, I actively go after the graduates from the classes of, you know, 60s, 70s, uh, early 80s, um, as much as possible, right? Because these guys are the ones that their kids are out of college and they have disposable income. And so when I want to get stuff and donations to the rugby club, I, I go after those guys. And, and, you know, the alumni association, just the alumni base as a whole, doesn't have as much as those. Because even back in those days, right, the college was much smaller, Um than it is today, obviously. And, and again, the alumni base is growing. It's 350,000-ish now. But, you know, that that connection and reaching back to some of those original graduates who have that disposable income hasn't quite come to fruition. Um, I think, you know, I was talking to, you know, Mike Kelly at, at an event. I think he told me the current alumni, or alumni in general, there's a less than 1% don't donate to the athletics at all in any way, shape, or form. That's one dollar. Um, and like, just let that sink in for a minute, right? If three hundred fifty thousand people were to donate at least just one dollar to athletics, like how big an impact that would make? Suddenly, our athletics budget is significantly better than it is, <laughs> right? And and we're just talking about like just a dollar. Um, and so one percent of alumni donate to athletics on an annual basis. Um, our, our, you know, our Bulls club, you know, it was really awesome. We had, I think, 400 members last year or really close to it. But I mean, that's great. That number's growing and that's awesome. And I don't want to take away. And, and hopefully this year we, we do more than that. But the amount of alumni that are engaged with, you know, the Bulls club and, and donating and, and supporting our athletics program is, isn't there. Right. And so, I mean, if we have any dream of, making it to not the American athletic conference. Um, you know, again, we, we have to, we as alumni and again, young and old, right. Wherever we are in our career, you know, we need to do whatever we can to show support because it goes a long way. Um, and conference realignment, um, and fan base engagement, alumni engagement. So, you know, I can't stress enough how important it is to get involved in local chapters, societies, you know, whatever it is that, that you want to do because it, it matters and people look and it, and it makes, it makes a big impact. So I went to exactly one alumni event uh, that was being put on um, in my local, my local alumni chapter here in Boynton beach. Um, we just, we watched the USF, uh, I think it was the USF Cincinnati game. And we were at, we were at the we were watching the USF Cincinnati game at Buffalo Wild Wings, and honestly, if you just if you just go to an event, there's alumni all over the place, especially in in Florida. If you're if you live in Florida, <clears throat> post graduation, um, go to go to an alumni event, um, and it, it, yeah, it sucks to meet new people, and yes, a lot of the alumni are going to be older than you. <laughs> Definitely um, true. Because <laughs> we were we were the we were the youngest people there, um, but I I also didn't know that I probably wasn't in the alumni association. I just told them I was, 
and they said we need more people anyway so just come along because what are they going to do say no um because it's a we, I didn't pay anything. We just went to Buffalo Wild Wings and ate with some Bulls fans. So this is another way to meet some some Bulls fans. Uh, that, it doesn't. Yeah, it's a little known. Like you don't have to be a part of the alumni association to like hang out with the alumni association events. Do you um, really think fellow USF alumni are really going to say no to hanging out with fellow USF alumni? I mean, this wasn't a uh, you know an alumni association event, but Carl, last year for USF Houston, we went to. Uh, Oh God! What's 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 the uh, restaurant in uh, downtown where we watch the Houston game? I know uh, what you're talking about. I can't remember. Irish Thirty One. Irish Thirty One. Yeah. We went to Irish Thirty One to watch USF Houston, and it was awesome just being in a bar that was full green. Uh, every time you score, you have the South Florida spell out or other school songs, and it's just it was a fun place to watch the game. Now the game sucked, but. It was just it was fun being with other Bulls fans and just celebrating that. So, or sometimes I really... crying. You know, it's it's you know it's sometimes what it's I end up doing therapy. in my house and I drink and <laughs> it's sad and I you know get angry and my parents my kids are like what what's wrong with daddy? And my wife <laughs> says, don't worry about it. He'll be fine tomorrow, right? So <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's better to be not at home um, when when such things are happening. <laughs> This is accurate. Yeah, um, it just got dark. Sorry. No, it's okay. Let's lighten <laughs> it up. Let's lighten it up real quick. I, um, okay, so the Alumni Association, they need a dollar for every single person who is or was a member. If you can, if you can get a dollar from every single person, that's $350,000. Um, where does the money, where does the money go? What do you, what do you do with, with the money? So, so it depends, right? So there is, there is funds inside of funds inside of funds, right? And so again, you know, so just follow me on Twitter if you want to like get into the details because I did do some of the activity and service budgeting and stuff. So you know, I established the rugby scholarship fund and I've, I've done some other stuff. So I kind of know the ins and outs of funds. But for example, if you buy season tickets, you there's a portion of that season ticket that goes to the general scholarship fund for athletics, for example. So um, you know, there's those funds and there's specific, you know, coaches fund for fo- football, which go towards like recruiting trips. Obviously I would give a shout out and donate every dollar you have and are willing to, to the football facility. Cause maybe we could get one of those sometime. Um, this that decade. would be a neat thing to have. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. But so, you know, again, just the money can go to whatever you want it to. Now, when you when you join just the general alumni association, um, that money goes towards um, it. It helps. Uh, it goes out to some of the chapters and societies. And again, not much. And I think some of the chapter presidents uh, or chairman chairwomen would would say that they don't get enough support from the alumni association. But some of that money does go back to the local chapters. Um, and hosting events, some of it goes towards general scholarship funds um, that the Alumni Association hands out. Um, you know, again, the, the overall benefit of joining the Alumni Association, you know, here nor there, you know, a lot of it just comes down to good old fashioned. It's just cool to be a part of something and, you know, supporting a university as young as ours. Um, you know, again, it, it, it's pretty awesome. I'm a life member myself. Um, I did the monthly installment over, I think it felt like forever, every month, $20 or something came out of my bank account, but you know, I'm a life member now. And do 
do I get any real benefit? I don't, I don't know, but you know, it's cool that when I get the newsletter and stuff and I hear about the scholarships that we're giving out to current students, you know, there's a kind of that feel good aspect. I mean, just like supporting the university in general, um, cause I feel like I'm in a decent spot in my career. And some of that has to do with my pretty awesome degree that I got from USF. Right. Um, I get, I feel like I get return labels every like three months. How cool is that? I lo- I actually use them <laughs> to send out the, the stickers, which James, you're going to get a sticker um, while supplies last uh, of our, of our logo. We started sending these stickers out to every single guest who's on the show. So uh, if you want to be a guest on the show and uh, you have something to talk about and uh, are passionate for USF, give us a give us a DM on Twitter or join the join the brand new Discord, uh, and you can uh, you can probably have your voice be heard. We're constantly scheduling new new and exciting people uh, from USF Twitter uh, from all over um, uh, from throughout all the time at, at USF, young or old, I don't care. Just come on the show. Uh, and we'll we'll have a good conversation with you, just like this one. Um, I want to continue talking with James, though, but I want to switch it. Uh, hey, before, before before we switch, though, um, I would uh, I'd kind of like to issue a little bit of a call to action, real quick. Um, you know, you said if we can just get three hundred fifty thousand people to just give one dollar um, to the athletic department, and Right now, you know, I would say our biggest goal is we need to get the on the on or sorry the indoor practice facility built, and so I I would just like to encourage you know I will you know I'm not going to speak for you guys I will go ahead and make a donation to that, uh, but if you don't want to go to um, if you don't want to go to the uh, indoor facility there is one through the Bulls Club that I am going to kind of selfishly uh, plug here. Um, because, you know, you guys know I was an intern at, I was an intern with South Florida for three years and those students work for free and they have a scholarship and I'll have to keep this one, I'll have to keep this one a little shorter. I might start crying a little bit. Uh, it's the, uh, Michael J. Radomski, uh, Memorial Scholarship. Uh, but it goes to, uh, it goes to a student who works as an intern for, you know, communications, marketing, development, or, uh, social media or any of that. So. If you're looking for something to, you know, even just a little bit, it's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful scholarship. It was uh, dedicated to uh, Mike Radomski, uh, who unfortunately, uh, unfortunately passed away about two years ago, uh, trying to keep his memory at USF alive. So that's a phenomenal way, and it also benefits, you know, a student who's trying to make it in this industry or for the indoor facility to help USF take the next step. So either way, I will be putting out a donation for that, and I encourage our listener base to do that too. All right, you'll see you'll see a link to that on our Twitter page in the next week. Um, we'll probably pin it for anyone who wants to uh, donate to that. Um, but like I said, I wanted to transition here. I think this is a good conversation to get started on the Alumni Association. Um, let's talk about USF rugby. Cause I don't think a lot of people even know that USF has a rugby team, um, potentially less vocal on, on, on social media than the, uh, than the hockey team. 
but let's let's give us a, run, a rundown on on what is USF rugby, how good is USF rugby, and why should people start paying attention to USF rugby? Oh man, they're uh, the team this year is uh, they're they are something special. Um, so rugby recently, and not to bore everyone with all of the the details, but rugby internationally. Um, kind of took a shift now that rugby's in the Olympics. And so they're kind of, the, there's an Olympic format rugby, which is sevens rugby, and then the traditional 15s, which is the, you know, full-on rugby size, uh, 15 aside uh, playing. And so, you know, not only uh, in the state of Florida anyway, that they, they've decided to do Olympic rugby to do qualifiers for the collegiate level uh, in the fall, and then they switch over to do full 15s in the spring um, and again, the, the rugby team does do friendlies and other exhibition matches just to help prepare them for the for the spring as well. So it's not all that. But just long story short, uh, USF's rugby team in the in the fall uh, really just took it to everyone uh, and were first first place in the state. Um, automatic qualifier for the national sevens competition. Um, coming up here uh, in the spring. And then to compile that, they've started the uh, spring season here. They beat Florida um, up, up in Gainesville, uh, you know, pretty big school and do things that are pretty good. They beat Florida 102, I think, to three. So a pretty decent. It was an insane we, score. I, we I, gave, I saw that. Like, yeah. holy crap. We, we gave the guys a hard time because, you know, if you don't win by a century, then it doesn't really count. But, you know, again, it's decent to win by 99. But, you know, and, and then they followed that up last week with a win against a very good uh, University of North Florida team. They beat them, I think, uh, 49 to 12. So um, they're off to a really hot start um, this year as well. Uh, they won uh, the state of Florida last year. Uh, which is pretty incredible. So, you know, they got some really good stuff going. They're actually playing a game this weekend, uh, 2 o'clock p.m. on Saturday at Magnolia Fields. Uh, so you ought to go check them out and watch it. It's a, it's a pretty fun game to watch, uh, pretty brutal, uh, but it's it's a blast. It's definitely a way of life, too, and, and they'll show you a good time, I'm, I'm sure. Right. So if you're if you're on campus, because this is not something you have to travel to, uh, Magnolia Field is on campus. So if you if you are a student and you want to go see some kick ass rugby where our team might put 100 plus points up on another team, you got to go see it. Even if you go see it one time, I want to I want people to go see it. And I want you to tell me how it is because I feel bad because I live in a different part of this uh, part of the state. Um, and I can't see it, and I just heard about it, and I am super pissed that I can't go watch it. So go, go tell me how good it is. I want to see photos on on Twitter. I want to see people in the Discord talking about USF rugby. Um, they might be the best overall team we have at USF. They're working hard, that's for sure. You know, again, just just like the hockey team and other club sports, right? I mean, these are guys that. Uh, you know, aren't on scholarship. They go to class day in and day out. They practice a couple days a week. Uh, when they travel on the road, they get in their own cars and carpool across the state or God knows what. So, you know, it, as a student, when I was traveling and playing with USF rugby, it definitely is a, it's a thing of passion. It's costs more money to do it than, than, you know, you get out of it, obviously, but 
you know, it, it was a lot of fun. And obviously some of my best memories at USF are, are playing, playing rugby uh, with a group of guys that I was with. And it's definitely lasting memory. So I encourage anyone to go check it out. It's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, a fun story. It's super quick. It's not even much of a story, but I think the first or second time I ever went to the to the big gym at USF um, as a freshman, there was a table inside the gym for USF rugby, and I had no idea we even had a rugby team. Um, and to to be honest, I haven't I didn't even think about it until I started talking to James on Twitter, um, and. Basically, I could have been on the rugby team. I was offered a a, a chance to sign up and try out, and I just kind of walked by the table. And I, I, I now I feel bad about it because it, it's a memory that flooded right back to me. Um, and given the opportunity, I a hundred percent would. Back back when I was a freshman, I was I was fit. Uh, I had just come off of playing some high school football. I was looking to make some friends. That would have been a really really good, really really good way to do it. Uh, I was the right size, I think. I could have bulked up. Um, and now it was a missed opportunity. So yeah, if you are good. if you're a, if you're a freshman, you're listening to this show and you uh, and you see see these guys playing and you think you fit the mold, uh, go try out next next year. Go continue the, the tradition that is USF rugby, kicking ass and taking names. Um, I'm definitely going to come up and, and see uh, a game or two. Where, where uh, are you at? You're, you're down in South Florida, right? Yeah, I'm in Boynton Beach. Yeah, so we play FAU. Um, well, I'm looking at the schedule right now. So we play FAU in Boca uh, April 4th. So you should, you should oh. go check it out. All right. Um, maybe maybe I will have the opportunity to do that. We'll see. Um, That's good. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's no tryouts. I mean, everyone's welcome. Um, there's an A-side, B-side, you know, similar to hockey, right? Everyone comes out, and everyone's welcome to, to play and participate. Um, really awesome stuff. They um, USF is getting a, a new coach this year, a guy, Austin Dak and I, and he played uh, for the Filipino national team. So, again, you're not you're not learning rugby from, you know, some guy who played college back in his in his day. I mean, this is a guy who's a, a national player for a, for a country. Uh, Not only yeah. that, a, a, a rather good country. Those uh, <laughs> those Polynesian yes. countries or uh, or the uh, so- South Asian countries are very good at rugby. Very good at rugby, and so you know, again, it it's you know, it's it was a really big announcement. And again, he's he's a guy who played at Life College, which is like the, the rugby college, if you will. Um, so really big, and he'll be the coach. And so it's not like. Again, a club sport where it's you know a bunch of students are hanging out and talking. I mean, there's actual coaches and schedules, and it's well organized, and um, and they'll teach you the skills and stuff, and, and help grow you into the sport. So if you're interested, absolutely go check them out. It's it definitely changed my my life at USF, um, and it's very endearing to me. Even you know here I am all these years later. All right, let's uh, let's transition um, into our final segment of the night. And it's something that I think everyone has been waiting for. Um, it all started, it's the debate of the century. It all started with a tweet by Heath uh, about um, Buffalo Wings. And he said, or I guess it was a, he was retweeting something, but um, it said that the, the number one ranking for Wings is the following. Uh, in the number one spot, you have your boneless wings. In the number two spot, 
you have your drumsticks. And number three, you have your flats. And I took it upon myself to retweet that and say, I agree with this. Boneless wings are the superior wing to every other type of wing. No, with... no. Boneless wings are not wings. Yeah, boneless wings are basically chicken nuggets. But that they are chicken at the nuggets. Same... They, they are essentially chicken nuggets. But you know what that means? That means that they are, in fact, superior to everything else. Boom. No. <laughs> the no. boneless wing is the UCF national championship of the wing. Like, it's wow. not even a wing. Okay, that's a take. Oh, man. It's I feel kind of right now. It, like, I mean, I took an anatomy class at USF, and I know that the <laughs> chicken breast is different than the chicken wing. I know okay. that. Okay, and I took advertising courses at USF, and when it's marketed as a wing, it's a wing. <laughs> that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just, be, just because Buffalo Wild Wing says it's a wing, which also, those wings are absolutely atrocious. They do not uh, deserve the right to call themselves wings. Okay, we just lost our sponsorship with Beat Dubs. Um, I'm gonna have to call Jeff back about that. Um, <laughs> uh, not, I'm kidding. We're not again, you also have to under, you also have to understand. I am from Buffalo, New York, home of the wing. Every time I go back, I also find this there's this little uh, mom and pop uh, pizza and wing shop outside my grandmother's house. That is the best wings I have ever had. Best wings on the planet. Uh, hi, Grandma. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have higher standards for wings, but no. Uh, chicken chicken nuggets are not wings. Chicken, t- uh, chicken nuggets are not wings. Phil, you're, 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 so, you're so right. You know, when I was a little kid and I didn't know how to, like, eat bo- around bones, I just ate boneless things. And then I realized that when you cook things with bones, they taste better. And then I graduated to the drumette. And then I realized that more bones mean more base- tasting better. And so, therefore, I graduated to, to, the, to the flat. And so, you guys have it exactly backwards. It's flat, then drumette, then whatever you call the nugget thing with wing sauce. Drum, drums are good, and, and wings are, you know, the flats do take effort, but they do taste the best. And there's something, there's something about, and this is going to make me sound like a bit of a wing snob, I admit, but there's just something about how, how somehow they make it up in, somehow they, how they make it back home. They just have, like, especially with the flats, how it gets, when it gets nice and crispy and crunchy, like the outside, the uh, breading, and then just the meat inside it. There, there's a reason every time I get off the plane within 20 minutes, I'm eating wings. Okay, here's where you're completely wrong. Um, the entire thing. Uh, flats can't be the superior wing. And here's why. They have less meat. No, they have the most meat. You're they have the wrong. least. They have the least amount of meat, in my experience, than a drumstick has. Which, they by the way, the a drumstick. No, listen. A drumstick has a handle, and that is the most effective uh, pre pre fork and knife machine that has ever been given to us. Uh, you okay, go to if you're, eating, if you're eating wings with a fork and a knife. You're doing it wrong. You're doing. You're eating the flat wrong. So you take the small bone out, right? And then you and then you take the big bone out, and then it's basically a boneless wing that you took the bones out of. Oh, so it's a boneless it. wing. It's a boneless wing with work. Why not just eat a boneless wing? Because, because it's not it a wing. It's a chicken good. nugget. And it doesn't taste bland good. white breast meat. Like that's so disgusting. Like you don't want to eat that. 
got to go for that. That's good stuff. Everybody likes breast meat. It's like the oh, every it's every single children, meat. My children eat that because they don't know better yet. <laughs> okay, uh, another point. There's a, there's <laughs> a that's what she said joke in there somewhere. I'm just saying. Think of the children, Carl. I'm, um, I'm way into this bottle of Angel's Envy, so it's only going to get better from here. So basically, um, everyone is wrong except me, and here's, here's, here's what it comes down to. Uh, you keep bringing up your children, and children eat chicken nuggets. Well, here's the thing. Everybody likes chicken nuggets because we all want to remember our childhoods. Children. Well, yeah, we all are secretly children. I'm, I definitely have never grown up. I run a, a podcast, for God's sake. I was playing with Legos um, the other day, for God's sake. I'm most definitely still a child. Yeah. I definitely have severe FOMO on Nug Night. Because I see the tweets and I'm like, Heath, I I need to figure out how to make it up there one of these days because it it looks pretty good. Shout out to Pippo. They're a good time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I uh, I know we're doing one here, um, around the FAU game, uh, which is awesome. Ooh. Uh, but I might, be, yeah. I might be down for that. Come through. And I'm bringing my kids and they like nuggets, so it's good. Perfect. <laughs> Everyone wins. Everyone wins. All right. So, so I don't think we're ever going to agree on the perfect shape of a, of a, of a wing here, but we can all agree that Buffalo sauce should be spicy, right? Medium at minimum. All right. So mild, if you like mild, you're out, right? Okay, and what about what about if you go to like a B Dubs and you you put like some of that honey barbecue sauce or like any of that tangy sauce? Is that is that? I will say honey barbecue is good on chicken nuggets. I will never eat a wing with them. For me, a wing is always going to be medium sauce with then the celery on the side. All right. Okay, ranch, so we're ranch, gonna be enemies on forever. Wings, ranch on wings is a mortal sin where I'm from. Blue, blue cheese uh, is just fucking gross. I Personally, think we can all agree blue cheese is disgusting and ranch is superior. Prefer, ranch is not superior, but I prefer my wings with just the medium sauce. I, I usually will not have it with anything. I'll always order ranch just in case it's like too much. But like, because when people say medium or when people say spicy, and depending on where you go, it, it all means different things if they make their sauce in house. Um, so sometimes I like to cool my mouth with some cool ranch. Blue cheese doesn't do that for me because it's got like that fungusy, like uh, gross ass smell that you put in your you nose. Need, and you're you, like, need, oh. you need that, you need that funk, right, to kill that acid from the. No, you, you need that cool, cool ranch. You need that. You need that. Uh, that like salad dressing deliciousness. You should, you should come down Kid to in Valley School, a USF down here in Lakewood Ranch. It's right down the street, and they'll they'll learn you some things about some food. It's pretty awesome stuff. <sighs> it's all science, man. It's all science. And ranch just doesn't have the science behind it. No, I guess. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so that would that make you a flat earther? Yeah, that's correct. Yes, I'm a flat, <laughs> I'm a flat earther. <laughs> you heard it here first. Boy, James I, Callahan, I think I, flat earther. I think I, I can watch my followers, my three followers that I have already dropping off Twitter. <laughs> Listen, you'll always have us. You'll always have us. <laughs> and that was the end of his uh, social media career. 
And it's also going to be the end of our podcast. Let's end it on a high note uh, on that joke. Um, You can follow us uh, anywhere podcasts can be found from Apple to Spotify. You name it. Uh, We're located on Twitter at BullseyeCast. We have a brand new Discord server. We're all in here. We do our recordings in here. You can ask us questions. And we have some questions uh, that I'm going to read for you guys from our server. Um, I got to find them real quick. They're in the new tabs episode, and they're both from Heath. (laughs) The first question (laughs) is, hey, fellas, long-time listener, first-time caller. That's a Which lie. is not true. He's already been on. <laughs> Fuck Mary Kill. Jeff Scott, Michael Kelly, Brian Gregory, go. <laughs> he needs answers. He yes. needs answers here. Uh, so who wants to go first? Carl, perfect. <laughs> oh my god. Fuck Mary Kill. Jeff Scott, Michael Kelly, Brian Gregory. This is for you, Heath. Uh I'm going to go with Mary Pippa. And I'm not an answer. That's not an answer. I don't care. All right. How about I, I have balls? I'll do this. Um, uh, I got a little boneless wings. Let's go. Um, I would marry Michael Kelly. I would fuck Jeff Scott. I would kill Brian Gregory. Reasoning. Michael Kelly, I think... Not more than he's got his shit together, right? He's got his shit together. He's in charge of the entire athletics program at USF, and he's doing a great job. He's a great dancer, so I know we're <laughs> doing date night. Uh, Jeff Scott that is gorgeous. Fantastic. Yeah, Jeff Scott is gorgeous. Um, that's that's a hundred percent an F right there for sure. Uh, and Brian Gregory, what have you done for me lately? Uh, you're the odd man out. Sorry, buddy. Phil. All right, I'll I'll, I'll play. Um, I got to agree. You marry Michael Kelly. He's the brains of the operation. Plus, he got the whole. I've never seen so much engagement on social media about an athletic director than when Athletics put out that video of him dancing, which that was absolutely incredible. Which we're we're one and zero against Central Florida and two and zero in men's basketball since he started dancing. Facts only. Um, ooh, that's a this is a tough. I would say, uh, fuck Jeff Scott because you know he's he's the head of our 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 cash cow and he has done in the two week in the two months he's been on the job. I'd be very curious to see what our season ticket numbers look like since he came on, and he has absolutely salvaged this recruiting class. He's single, ladies. Phil's single. If all you need to date Phil is high ticket performance. (laughs) And then kill Brian Gregory, not because he did anything wrong, it's just he's the odd man out. All right. James, you're up. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, for for all the same reasons. I I love my... Mike Kelly has done, uh, you know, obviously, you know, especially in the last couple of years. So, so I'm, I'm going to marry him. Um, and uh, I'm just not that, 
I mean, I enjoy a basketball game. I had the alumni, the rugby alumni society out to the basketball game at UCF. So I like, I'll watch basketball and I enjoy it, but, uh, it's not, not my love. Yeah, I'm a football guy. So, you know, so Jeff Scott, you get to, you get to do the F's category and, and sorry, sorry, Gregory. I love you, man, <laughs> but you're just, you're the odd man out. Sorry. This is kind right. of cool. This is cool. He's making us choose. Yes, and Carl, if you want to bring it back, so you don't have to marry a dog. You know what? I don't <laughs> want to go to Nug. I don't want to go to Nug Night anymore. Forget Heath. How, can, how dare he make me make these decisions? Don't worry. There's another one. Um, oh God, is it worse? Uh, <laughs> it's just as interesting. I, I'm gonna have to go worse. with the rest of you guys on that. It's like, all right, like Kelly's consensus. clearly here for the long haul. Yeah, it's it's a consensus, unanimous, whatever. All right. Um, MK is here for the long haul. Jeff's got some new young hot thing. Uh, and BG, just, you know, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. He beat UCF for us lately. He beat he's UCF for his, us lately, but he's going to wag his finger at me. He's going to be like, no, no, don't come all getting all sweet at me. I heard you on the podcast. Forget you. And he's still <laughs> not going to teach you how to shoot like, a free throw at the end of the day. Be like, Man, BG, we chatted. We chatted at USF, you know, Manatee, Sarasota Manatee. We hung out for a minute. It was cool. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, the second question, both also from Heath, is okay, guys. Here's a weird one. Pretend two people had a kid. That kid is now signing to the USF football team on National Signing Day. Who's the kid? Make them as wildly athletic and beautiful as possible. Make it awkward. Do it. <laughs> So I guess we have to create the super athlete. <laughs> we have to create a super athlete using using two former USF athletes. All right, I, I got this. I got this. Uh, okay. Q and Ev. Done. God damn it, Carl. <laughs> That's the easy <laughs> answer. I have a different I had answer. To beat okay, you fine. It. Fine. Quentin and Courtney. Okay. Okay, fair. Um, I'm going to take uh, Loxa and Jason Pierre-Paul. Oh, that's a good one. And we're gonna make the a gigantic linebacker, uh, <laughs> who can who can just destroy quarterbacks in the backfield, um, but also has Lox, uh, Lox's athleticism and all of her all of his fingers. <laughs> you know what? I'm, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna add a wrinkle for this, Carl. What does the offspring of Q and F? What sport does does that kid play? Oh God. Um, that kid's a fast soccer player. That, for no, sure. no, 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 soccer because size. Yeah, Q's Q's not exactly huge, and uh, nor is Ev. So, soccer between between both of their athleticism. I'm gonna say basketball for Courtney and Q, mainly because they were both such freak athletes. So you know, you know that kid's gonna be fast. You know that kid, and Courtney's gonna teach the kid that. Uh, the little jump shot that we would all be like, what are you shooting? What are you shooting? Oh, my God, that shot was perfect. Um, but, no, that kid's just going to be an athlete, and that kid's going to take us uh, deep in the dance. All right, James, you have to choose. All right, two people. Um, so I'm going to go Wilcox and Mike Jenkins and create the super wide out. Oh, Damn. Oh, okay. He's going, he going in, a, in a direction we did not think about. A progressive direction. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we, hey, we need a wide receiver. <laughs> I like it. And mainly Wilcox because 
I somewhat angry at him because, you know, my wife loves me very much, but whenever he would walk on the, the Bulls stampede thing, walking into the stadium, she would melt and be like, oh my God, who's that guy? And I'd be like, what is going on right now? You know? <laughs> that, to be I've fair, never heard I do such the same thing. I do the right? same thing. He's a beautiful man. So you, gorgeous, you gorgeous him in the athleticism of Mike Jenkins, and you got a killer wide receiver. 100%. Oh, is, is this not a Ben Sweat situation? <laughs> no ben comment. Sweat. Makes the oh, comments. Moist. <laughs> I, I missed the goal, mouth. <laughs> ben Sweat coming to Inter Miami near you. Yep. All right. That's it for the Bullseye Podcast this week. Thank you, James Callahan, for joining us. Um, you can listen to this show anywhere podcasts can be found. I said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Uh, follow James on Twitter. Um, let me pull up. I had it. Uh, you can follow James on Twitter at FL, uh, at capital F, capital L, M-A-N underscore J Cali with two L's and an I. Uh, so that's at F L M A N underscore J C A L L I. Thank you for joining us. And that's it. So long. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.